hello everyone and welcome to the moonshine jesus show brought to you by progressivechristianity.org your favorite place to get all your progressive christian resources i'm here today with my good buddy mark how you doing today mark doing great today caleb happy to be reviewing our second viewing of obi-wan obi-wan kenobi that's right yes we did this what a couple of months ago we looked at mm -hmm. just the first couple episodes of dropped right. and both because uh we thought it would be cool to come back at the end of the season and because we're both like star wars geeks we thought <laughs> hey exactly right. it'll be fun to come back and do this yeah. and mark it's good to be back with you in this format because it's been right. maybe three weeks since we've done yeah. it like this we were live and in person at wild goose and that was so much fun, wasn't it, Mark? It was so much fun. And it was so, uh, I don't know, there was a, even more energy when we were actually sitting in person together and not sitting on opposite coast of the United States. You know, ah, <laughs> there was a lot yes, of energy that there. That was great. Yeah. A very old-fashioned idea, yeah. you know, <laughs> doing something in person, yeah, seeing each other face-to-face. -face, it was crazy. So, it was. But it's, it's good to be back like this as well. Absolutely. And so... One of our traditions here is having a themed cocktail. And Mark, I want to see what you're drinking today for Obi-Wan. Well, you know, I did the same thing that I did the last time we repeated mm -hmm. something we were looking at. I'm repeating my drink, but I'm changing it just the tiniest bit. So the last Ooh. time I did a salute to General Akbar, and mm -hmm. I did a It's a Trap, which was uh, three, no, four part, parts bourbon, two parts absinthe. And a little oh, bit of yes. sugar, a little bit of water. Uh, this time, uh, since this was the ending of uh, mm -hmm. the entire season and maybe series, I'm calling it It's a Wrap. And I've added a little extra absinthe so that when I'm done with this drink, I'll be wrapped. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a wrap right here. It's a wrap. I love that. That's a, a, nothing like the green. What you go with? You wrap it up. Okay, so right. I just I decided to uh, duplicate my drink as oh, well. Oh, very nice. I didn't even change it. I just kept it exactly the same because I liked Obi Wan's lightsaber. Like That's it. what I've got Good right look. here. Yeah, it's uh, two ounces of blue curacao, three ounces of blue Kool-Aid, and yep. an ounce of vodka. So Ooh, it's very, very nice. blue. Yes, and it's going to get me all sugared up. And uh, I'm ready <laughs> to talk great. about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And when we do, we need to make sure everyone realizes there be spoilers ahead. This is if That's this is a not a place one. to go if you're yeah. trying to avoid spoilers. I, no, I imagine yeah, we go deep them. into the spoilers today. We're we're going to, but you yeah. know what? Cheers to spoilers, Mark. Hey, hey and I cheers agree. to you. Cheers to you. It's a great show, man. Mm. Is it? Uh, I liked it, it the last time. I like it. It's a little Better. more medicinal. How are you going to get wrapped? Yeah, yeah, without, without, right, that extra acid really throws the taste off a little bit, but it's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. It's got yeah. bourbon in it. I'm going to like it. So, yeah, Of course you will. Okay. Hey, let's uh, listen to Drop and Come Back. Jesus.
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're glad you're here with us. So this is our second show on Obi-Wan Kenobi. We watched the first two episodes. We did a show on it. And we had several questions about what was going on and what might happen. Yeah. And we kind of just agreed. We should, we should go back and revisit this. But for those who who aren't familiar with the Obi-Wan Kenobi um, series on Disney. Uh, here's a quick little recap of what the show is about. Um, I stole most of this from Wikipedia. Ten years after the events of uh, Revenge of the Sith, in which the Jedi were destroyed by Order 66, and Obi-Wan Kenobi's apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, uh, became the Sith Lord Darth Vader, Kenobi is hiding on the planet Tatooine, watching over Anakin's son, Luke, when he's called on a mission to rescue Anakin's daughter, Leia, after she's kidnapped by the Galactic Empire's Jedi hunting inquisitors in a plot to draw Kenobi out. And it all ultimately leads to a, uh, a confrontation between Kenobi and Vader, who, of course, was once Anakin. And uh, I, I don't want to, I'll let our talk give away, you know, more of the other spoilers from that. But that's kind of the general setup. And when we watched the first two episodes, you and I had several questions and mm -hmm. kind of trying to guess where things were going. Um, and, and so how did you yeah. feel like it, the, the, the show played out and, and were there any particular answers we got that you were surprised at or that you were like, Oh, well, I was right about that or those kinds of things. I had a moment where I thought, Oh, Mark was right about that. And so one <laughs> of the things I think we talked about what, as I often do, uh, oh, yeah. and <laughs> it's one of those things like, oh, I should listen to Mark about that. He's probably <laughs> so uh, one of the things that, uh, you said was, uh, about Riva, the the Inquisitor, and you said, I think she's she's one of the younglings, and I think she yes. survived. And so that's one of the things that we find out is that she is one of the younglings, and we had only seen her, I think. I, they'd kind of hinted at it, but we weren't sure, and we'd seen her use the Force a little bit, and we got to find out that, yeah, that's what was driving her. And so right. I thought that was interesting to to connect, you know, the, the prequels right. to, to this time period. And, and in it, a lot of ways... interesting. In a lot of ways, that played into one of yeah. the things you were right about, because we were asking the question, "How does Reva know Thank you. Vader?" I want to hear about it. <laughs> well, we were, we were we were asking the question, "How does Reva know Vader?" Because yeah. so few people know who Vader is, right? Um, and so few people did at that point. And you mentioned that you really felt strongly that she was probably his apprentice. After the first two episodes, we didn't really know that. Um, and it turned out that that's exactly right, that because of the Jedi Academy and she ends up being his apprentice. And um, she, she, she really, though, we get revealed that mm -hmm. it's, she's not really wanting to be his apprentice as but much I, as she has this deep hatred for him. And she's yeah. looking for her opportunity to take Vader out. Yeah. 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 And so and so it was interesting when that was revealed, because I I didn't really see that coming. And that was that was kind of a surprise to me. And so it's at this, you know, this very emotional point when whenever Obi-Wan and, and this whole community of folks who have been uh, trafficking the Jedis, that, that they're trapped. And we we find out that that, yes, she is actually gunning for for Vader. And so uh, I was, I, I had a question about this, Mark. Um, uh, so she's not, she's not able in that. I think the next episode, she's not able to actually get her revenge on, on Anakin. You know, she, right. she wants to, and, and she sees uh, that, uh, that he has uh, a, a son 
and that's on Tatooine. Why? Why do you think she run, goes after the sun to get uh, to to get vengeance on on Vader? What, what do you think that's about? Well, I, I don't. I, I'm not completely sure. I think it's one of two things. I think either she yeah. thought that if she could bring his son back or at first at least was that had to be one of the thoughts is maybe I can get close to him again. But also yeah. as a, I think maybe there was this bit of revenge of if I can't kill him, I'll kill his son uh, yeah. and, and make sure he knows that I was the one who did it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, what, what did you think was going on there? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was one of the more powerful scenes because whenever I, I saw that I, I, at first I was like, okay, so, it didn't actually explicitly say like this is Anakin's son. It said, "Oh, right. the child's on Tatooine." I'm like, "Well, how did?" Yeah. You, it's kind of it's a bit of a leap in logic to figure mm. out uh, that that that's Anakin's son. How does she know yeah. that? But but she goes, and um, I think it's ultimately powerful that she sees herself becoming Anakin. Mm. And and yeah. has that change and is able to stop herself and not give in to the dark side of the force. So, I mean, that's the thing that I love about well, Star Wars. I, right? I love it. I love it. And that was one of the things. Yeah. yeah and that's one of the things you and I talked about early on. I was like, I, I'm wondering if the, if Reva is going to turn to the light side, you know, if, if there's mm -hmm. any chance. And yeah. there were just a couple of moments where she didn't kill someone where if she was really an inquisitor, she would have killed somebody that made you right. go, okay. They're they're nuancing this character here a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what are they going to do with her? Right. Uh, but I'm with you. I thought I, I didn't see the way they did it. I didn't see that coming. It was brilliant and beautiful. Where um, you know, Anakin basically tries comes after her, and, and I think right. he hits her with the with the lightsaber, but she gets uh, okay. She's okay ultimately. Yeah. But um, she is about to take out Luke, and she sees herself she re recognizes that yeah. she's becoming the monster that she's that she's you know hunting and right. it was just a beautiful moment where she realizes that's not who i want to be and she even asked uh obi-wan when she brings luke back yeah. like am, am i becoming him right which was kind of this beautiful insightful moment and i love that that redemptive arc of her her storyline um the only thing i didn't like about it is yeah they've been calling this a limited series. Like it's just going to be six episodes and we're, maybe we're done. And yeah. I was like, you just got Reva to this point. I want to know so much more. So yeah. I, I do wonder, do you think, do you think this is the end? Do you think that we don't get any more Obi-Wan's? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it did relatively well critically and, uh, and pretty well, I think in terms of audience uh, and, viewership especially the first few episodes i i would like to see more i think it'd be fun to see more but i also yeah. think they left it in a place that was emotionally satisfying where if we don't mm -hmm. get okay. any more uh it it did something that was that was emotionally satisfying you know i yeah. think it helped you know us come to terms with some of the things that happened in the prequels and as you know that's not yeah. like those were critical or uh star wars fans darlings they were right. uh you know uh, and so i think it it did do a, a a good job of connecting that to you know the beloved originally original trilogy and i i think it also did something emotionally satisfying and having 
uh, Ewan McGregor come back and um, and and having James Earl Jones voice Darth yeah. Vader one more time. You know, he's getting up there in years. Who knows yep. if he's ever going to be able to do that again? So I feel like it gave us some closure as well as getting to see, you know, the kids in uh, Luke and Leia in their mm-hmm. development stage, especially Leia. So yeah. I so I would like to see another one, but I'm okay if we don't. I, I feel well, like I got what I wanted out. How about you? I, what do you think? I think they're going to. I, I just, yeah. I, for instance, there's been several interviews with the actors and the director who all say they'd be interested, that they would do it. Uh, the head of Star Wars has now said, uh, of the whole group yeah. has now said that she would be okay with seeing that happen. And then the last, uh, so we start with, with uh, Obi-Wan wanting to see Qui-Gon, but ne- never, he won't yeah. come to him. He won't appear. Yeah. And then we end with Qui-Gon Jinn uh, appearing. Mm-hmm. And the last thing he says to Anakin is, come on, we've got a ways to go. It, yeah. That just sounds like a setup for the next Thing. what's coming next and yeah maybe i maybe i just want it to be so badly that, that i'm trying to make it be that but i yeah i don't know i i have this uh i think it might be an extra year not next year but the following year that we yeah. might see this but i, I just feel like That'd we might consistent. get to see this again um yeah but now one thing that we didn't mention and i know we're about to wrap yeah. up this segment um that yeah. i really liked uh you and i talked about the first two episodes uh, a matter of fact, we we named yeah. our show uh, Obi Wan, comma it's a trap because it was all a trap to get him. I loved mm-hmm. how they turned that around in the last episode, and he's actually recognizes that Reva's after Darth Vader, and he kind of uh-huh. gives himself up, and uh, she's standing there over him, and he says, talking about Darth Vader, "You're not bringing him to me, I'm bringing him to you." Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. "It's a trap." Yeah, yeah, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Aptly named. <laughs> that was, that right. was very aptly named. I thought they, uh, I really liked that turn that they did there. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. Here's uh, one, one, one other question, Mark, because I'm just, I, I, I want to know why. I, one thing I'm not sure why is, uh, why didn't Darth Vader kill Reva? I mean, why did he, why did he leave her? I get why Obi-Wan didn't kill uh, Darth Vader, uh, whenever right. he had the chance, but why didn't Darth Vader kill Reva? You know, I wonder if, because, uh, George Lucas likes to say that best storytelling rhymes is like poetry of rhymes and Darth Vader stabbing her. He stabbed her almost exactly where she stabbed the grand inquisitor. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if it, it, it was supposed to be some kind of beautiful poetry of, you thought you ended him by stabbing him like this, but I will end you by stabbing you like this. Hmm. I, I wonder if it was kind of that that was the idea behind it. It could have been sold a little better in some way, but the Grand Inquisitor, uh, the old former Grand Inquisitor was standing there as it happened. So maybe that was mm-hmm. supposed to give us that feel mm-hmm. of maybe, you know, but then we knew she was going to come back because that was one of our other questions. Is the Grand Inquisitor really dead? And the answer was no, he is no, not. No, he's not. <laughs> we and I could geek out and geek out and geek out, but we, could. we want to get on to the meat of this show. So uh, let's take a drop and uh, come back to our next segment. <laughs>
everybody, and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are moving into our Theopolitico segment of this show where we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so I want to go theological here, Mark. A lot of times I go kind of yeah. political first, yeah, but sure. I, I've got a theological question for you. And it has to do with the part of the show that you named just a few moments ago when Qui-Gon Jinn has come back. Mm. And, uh, and Obi-Wan is wondering why he hasn't seen him sooner. Okay, and Qui-Gon says this, says, uh, and by the way, seeing Liam, Liam Neeson return as Qui-Gon Jinn, yeah. one of my favorite moments great. of this, yes. and the fact that they waited until the very end, loved it. But he yeah. says this, he says, I was always here, Obi-Wan, you just were not ready to see. And so I thought, whoa, okay, that's <laughs> that's a profound moment. And uh, and then he talks about, you know, uh, we we've got so much ahead, right? It's not the beginning, right. so uh, right. foreshadowing maybe. But but here's what my question about the theological: Is it true that for some theological notions, uh, we don't understand things until we're ready? Uh, it, is it possible that you know that uh, that we're just not ready? To, mm. to talk about some types of theology uh, until we reach a certain point in our journey. Do you have any insight into that, Mark? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's, it is very true, and it's just part of our nature of human beings. My, my theology professor used to talk about the first naivete where we think we know everything, and then you go through the desert, and then there's this and you come out after suffering and, and you're ready to learn the new things and you enter into the second naivete. And there's this kind of pattern that we go through where uh, life has to happen and experiences have to happen, good and bad, before we have all the equipment and tools we need to understand certain things. Uh, that someone can preach a, a, a reality to us as hard as they want, but if we're not yet at a place in life to hear it, we probably aren't going to hear it. And I've seen that over and over again. I mean, I, what, what's your take on that? What do you, do you see that happening as well? Or I, I think so. And I, I, I love that. And whenever you were talking about, you know, the first the first naivete, naivete. The second naivete. I was yeah. thinking about uh, Marcus Borg and his meeting Jesus mm. again for the first time, you know, and he talks yeah. about that at length, like, yeah, uh, pre-critical naivete that, that we just accept uh, because mm -hmm. someone that we know and trust has has told us, like yeah. when we're kids and we believe, say, in the resurrection because someone has told us that. And then mm -hmm. we go into critical thinking and, and we think about, uh, you know, we break things down and we say, hey, you know what this person has told us isn't compatible with what I know to be true about the world that I'm learning in science class right. and all that. Yeah. And uh, like, can miracles really have happened? That doesn't jive with uh, what I know about science. And then he says that once we go through that, we go go into post-critical naivete and that we then begin rebuilding. And so uh, I was thinking about it in terms of that, in terms of the post-critical naivete, where mm. uh, like there have been points in my life where like I, I, like I wasn't ready to accept elements about faith until I had entered like the rebuilding stage and been like, OK, right. I've broken down all these stages of faith. And is there anything that, that I can accept? And so I, I, I thought that 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 was beautiful, that there's some things that we're really not ready to grapple with until we've reached a certain point in our journey. And then, you know, one of the things I love about progressive Christianity is then that, you know, we might then shed those things at another point in our journey. Yeah, it's like I would expect it's so. like a walk. Yeah, yeah, I, I would expect I, so. I, my my personal statement of faith 
says, uh, I, I won't quote it perfectly, but basically, uh, if, you're, if your statement of faith isn't constantly changing, you're not taking it seriously enough. Hmm. Um, hmm. It should never end up in a place where you've got it and this is it. If, if, so, if it ever does, you're not taking it seriously enough. So like if like the static face, like, like the people who want to demand all the answers, I want to know exactly what to think about that. Are you saying that 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 is not true faith in a way that like constantly questioning things is? Well, I, I would say it is. I mean, is it is it I mean, faith has within the word the this a bit of the concept of risk, does it not? Um, having faith means taking a chance, risking. Uh, knowing the answer and believing the answer doesn't feel like it's taking much of a chance or risking much of anything. Understanding that as I get new data, that what I thought, this thing that's central and core and important to me, that if I get new data, I am willing to let that be deconstructed and then reconstructed and try to figure out what that means to me. Now, for me, that's the the more faithful, the more uh, uh, risky move, is it not? Uh, that's real faith and how I would like to understand faith. I think you're right. It's risky, but it's also incredibly rewarding, right? Whenever, whenever you mm -hmm. have a faith that like, because I, I think a lot of times if we're holding fast to like creeds and beliefs and stuff that a lot of times in our heart of hearts, maybe we don't really right. believe that stuff. And so it kind of feels inauthentic to say it because, mm -hmm. because we are all, you know, living in this postmodern world yeah. and we, we right. know about the scientific method and we know all this stuff. And so being mm -hmm. able to let go of that stuff, I think is incredibly freeing but i think it can also you know for for those of us who are progressive you know i i've also found myself at certain points in my life saying hey i want to establish my theology i want uh, mm -hmm. like i don't want to do the orthodox theology i don't want any right. of that i don't want any creeds any of that stuff but i want to establish my theology i want to know yeah. what it is uh but then i found you know that it can be hard to then question my own theology, right? right? To to like once I've established it, to be like, oh, and I'm in a different place right now, and I I gotta let that go, even though that yeah. was so important to me, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. That, that now I I think I've I've moved past that. I, I think you're right. It's risky, but it's rewarding. It's really it absolutely it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, one of the things I was curious about yep. that's kind of related to faith and life in general, maybe more philosophical, I don't mm -hmm. know, but it definitely fits in this segment of our show, was um, t t two kind of thoughts. The, 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 yeah. the final fight between uh, Obi-Wan and Darth, we see it's, it's a fight full of rage and anger, uh, even grief on, on Obi-Wan's side, I think. Uh, but we've seen consistently Anakin Darth is just an yeah. angry character, like crazy yeah. angry character. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of the iconic, he and Obi-Wan are kind of the pieces that carry throughout everything. What is it that you think Star Wars is trying to say about anger? It is clearly very important to the storytelling that, yeah. that this one character is kind of the embodiment of anger. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that it's toxic. I mean, I think it's reflect. I, I think it's it's kind of uh, wonderfully uh, symbolic that even the emperor, Emperor Palpatine, you know, says to to Anakin, like, uh, "Are you sure 
that uh, that you're okay? Are are you sure that you're not just being driven by uh, revenge on mm-hmm. uh, on Obi Wan? Right? He's he's wondering if he if he even can can be a Sith Lord, right? Because he's so right. driven by this anger. And like, if you're at the point where you're you're maybe uh, too angry to be a Sith Lord, like that's bad. <laughs> that's right. really bad. You've right? gone way off the deep end. Yeah. You've gone way off the deep end. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's talking about like our obsession with anger. And that's really reflective of where we are as a country right now, right? Because we've got Absolutely. we've got we're so polarized and people are so angry. And I mean, Indeed. I felt like that too, right? Uh, it's yeah. hard not to give into this anger, being yeah. uh, consumed by this us, us, them kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Have and you I, seen that? I have, and I, and I think that, yeah. that part of what this this last episode of this uh, series did um, plays right, in, right into what you're talking about. We do have this divide, and, and there was something that I noticed. I, I thought of the quote from um, Yoda, who says, uh, "Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering." Mm-hmm. So we have hmm. Darth Vader, who is basically suffering uh, in his anger and his hate. Um, and then Ben in this fight is not really winning. And Darth basically says, your weakness is still there. And he buries him hmm. under rocks and debris and all yeah, of this. Yeah. And while he's under there, he starts thinking about the past. Um, and he is he hears Darth's voice or, or, or Anakin's voice and some of the arguments they had kind of stuff. And he's trying to get out and he can't get out. And he's trying to get out and he can't get out. And it's when he starts thinking about these kids and the future that he he comes back to the force, the light side. He fully embodies it, becomes stronger than he ever has before. And I wonder if that's not an intentional message that constantly thinking and living in the past makes it very easy to get angry and upset and to live in that and get stuck in those places. We're being mm. hopeful about the possibilities of the future is a, is a very way to ultimately be hopeful is to, to think of the future. And is that not part of what we have going on in our nation is that there's a whole group of folks who are, are idolizing the past and mm. tend to come off very angry folks about lots of different things. And then there's a whole group of folks who are just trying to vision a hopeful future um, that's more out of equality and love and that kind of thing. It does seem to parallel the Star Wars message, I think. I love that. I think that's uh, incredibly insightful. You know, are we going to get stuck in the past? Or are we going to see the past with rose-colored glasses and imagine mm-hmm. a past that actually never even existed, right? right? Or are we going to try and envision a hopeful future and work Towards it, and I think ultimately, that's kind of what Jesus was talking about too, right? As he was talking about right. the reign of God on earth, uh, a vision of the future that's that's hopeful. So, uh, I love Star Wars, Mark, and there is so much. there is so much to unpack that's the, theological and political. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about the Empire, uh, but right. uh, uh, but it, it's it's wonderful. But you know what, Mark, we. We have to try to make each other look stupid. It's, it's just, only uh, right. It's, a, it's only right. It's only right. It's a part of what we do. So <laughs> how about this? Uh, let's listen to the drop. Let's come back and let's try and make each other look stupid. Oh, yeah.
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering into our segment of Make Me Look Stupid. Uh, and, and Caleb, I am. I usually try to be the benevolent host at this point and give you a choice. Uh, this time I'm not doing so. I am going to take the first question. Okay, uh, take gonna, it. I'm gonna, take it I'm going to do a little setup to this. So um, you asked the question the first time we were talking about this, whether or not uh, this series had the chance to redeem the original, the, the, the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And I'm not even going to talk about our answers to that. I'm just going to say that was a question you had. Okay. <laughs> and then in this, in this show, uh-huh. we have Reva who goes through a kind of a redemptive arc in her storyline. Uh-huh. My question to you is much bigger than star Wars, but it's connected to those is full redemption ever really possible. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is an interesting theological question, and uh, it's it's uh, something that like I think a lot of people really want to know. And, and yeah. when they come well, into yeah. churches, like, okay, I've done a lot of things in the past, and uh, you know, is there any way that I can make right? Uh, those things. And, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of folks who come to my church who, who say, you know what, I've had a lot of things that I've, I've done. I've been away from religion. I've been away from God. Uh, and I've done a lot of things that I feel guilty about. How, how do I deal with that? And uh, I think, I think redemption is an, is an interesting thing because, you know, we all have those things in our past and uh, that, that, you know, that we may feel bad about. And I Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes people feel bad about things that really they, they shouldn't even feel that bad about, you know, I I feel like one of my main jobs as a clergy person is telling people that a lot of the stuff they're feeling bad about, they really don't don't feel bad about, you know, like, because uh, people I think are, I really think people, for the most part, are fundamentally good, and uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of the things that people feel bad about uh, are things that uh, you know other people have tried to make them feel bad yeah, about. Right. Uh, and so uh, I I think that you know people then when they hear that when people hear that they are fundamentally good that it, it helps them to to live into this this life where they feel loved and affirmed. And so mm. I I think that there are uh, I I think that for most people, you know, that trying to live the best life we, we can is, uh, is redemption enough is, uh, is Hmm. what we need. Now, if you want to take it to the extreme Mark and, uh, you want to talk about say, let's, let's take say Hitler, right? Because Ah. he's the ultimate example, right? This is what you always do. You say, how how about someone who's committed mass atrocities like like Hitler is, is he able to experience redemption? Right. Well, you know, um, that's a question that I think we we just really can't know. <laughs> you know, like it's beyond it's beyond our knowledge. I I'm not someone who believes in a in a uh, a hell or even much of an afterlife. You know, that's right. not really something that that, that I believe in. I it, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like he experienced any of that redemption in his life. Right. It doesn't seem like he had any change of heart. But is it possible for people to experience some sort of redemption? I think so. Uh, is it, it, it possible for someone who's uh, done so many bad things to experience full redemption? I think that's unlikely that that person no. is going to have such a, such a turnaround that they experience full redemption. Uh, did this series redeem some of the prequels? I think it helped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did it, it did they did. experience full redemption? 
I don't think so. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I'm you interested. You, you, you yeah, asked this great. question, Mark. I, I want to okay. know. I, I want to know if you think it's possible. I want to know what your, um, your take on redemption is. I, I think it's complicated because there's different types of redemption. But we're just talking about personal redemption, a, a, a person. I think it's certainly possible, and it comes kind of close to some of the stuff that you might take, kind of close to some of the stuff that you were saying uh, about when you try to tell people there's some stuff that you shouldn't be feeling bad about. Um, I think full redemption is probably not ever possible because of why we're, how we're wired as humans. But I think you can have a fairly complete redemption, but only once you are willing to forgive yourself for your past. Mm. Other folks can forgive you. Your actions can be redeemed by other actions that make things better. Right. But you can't be fully redeemed until you're genuinely willing to forgive yourself for that past. Mm. And even then, I don't think it's full, but I think the more you can forgive yourself, the closer it comes to full. Yeah. I what what an important distinction. Uh forgiving yourself is maybe one of the hardest things. And I think it uh, it's harder yeah. than forgiving other people a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, because we we sit with that anger for a while, yeah. but uh I think it's even easier to recognize like the toxicity mm -hmm. of the anger when it's directed outward and mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work I think to recognize the toxicity of the anger when it's directed at yourself. Right. And uh I think that's one of the most important things that like Jesus said, whenever he said, love your neighbor as yourself, that right. like that involves loving yourself. Right. right. And, uh, and you can't really fully love your neighbor unless you you've loved yourself as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I think part of the reason it's so hard to forgive ourselves is that unlike with other people, we fully understand the motivation of why we did those actions. Hmm. And yeah. that can make it even more difficult because you're not just forgiving an action. You're forgiving an, a, a true emotional response with another mm. person and motivation with another person. You don't know what the real emotion is. You don't really know what, what, what their emotion behind the action is. So you can forgive the action. That's a lot easier than understanding fully why you went there and did that, whatever they are mm. and having to all, not just what it was, but why you did it. That is really difficult, but really important. I I love that. Uh, that that's uh, that's deep, Mark, and I I think that that's uh, and it's the and, I get deep every now and then. I know. I, that, that's like that's deep, and it's theological, and that gets to yeah. I think the heart of uh, of why a lot of folks uh, end up uh, hopefully uh, seeking comfort from religion i hope that's what mm. it ends up providing okay here's here's my question for you so okay. one of the things that i noticed was um uh that uh kind of the 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 path of the jedi what was okay. called exactly that it was called uh the path or uh the way and mm -hmm. uh uh, you may know another movement that was called the way, yeah. and uh, I, I want to know uh, what do you think? What do you think was happening there? Was this an explicit Christian parallel to tie uh, the Jedi path to the way, uh, or uh, was this just happy, uh, happy coincidence for theologians to be able to right. draw on for Star Wars? What do you think? Well, I mean, uh, George Lucas has said clearly that clearly that he's pulled from religions to create Star Wars. Uh, yeah. um, but 
I don't think the way was necessarily in specifically from Christianity, although I, I'm sure he was aware of the people of the way and, and that. But I think it has more to do that religion is almost always looked at as a path that we are on, that it's a journey we are traveling. Uh, and so the way fits in perfectly with that. And so I think he just took uh, the, kind of some Joseph Campbell kind of hero's journey kind of stuff mm -hmm. and packed in different types of religions. And I think that's where more of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey um, kind of language going on because Luke is kind of the one of those types of uh, heroes that Campbell talks about. So for me, it's just great for us uh, Christian theologians, but we also uh, do it a disservice if we try to make it say, well, they pulled from Christianity. No, uh, Christianity pulled from all these other religions, just like all these other religions also pulled from. And we end up with these stories that sometimes have some, well, like Lucas would say, rhyming poetry in them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the the beautiful rhyming poetry uh, that I love of, of world religions is the fact that early Christianity was called the way and that the Tao is the way, mm -hmm. right? And it's this this cosmic force that, that runs through our lives. And one of the things that's yeah. really informed my theology has been this study of Taoism and this thought yeah. that, that there is this cosmic force that is running through life, right? And if we're open to it and we, we allow ourselves to experience it, mm -hmm. then it can influence our lives. And uh, that notion of the way, maybe has uh, informed my theology more than any seminary class ever did, you yeah, know, than pulling yeah. apart the writing of, uh, you know, the church fathers, <laughs> right. uh, that, that didn't do anything for me. But mm -hmm. but studying this notion that, that God is running through our lives and that if we're open to experiencing God, then, then we can ex experience this love in our lives and in relationships, I think has been very meaningful. So I, I love the thought of the way and i love the way yeah. that you that you put that as this you know kind of uh poetry that mirrors uh right rhymes yeah. it, it rhymes with others rhymes, mir yes, mirrors yes. yeah I, that's not mine. That's that's George Lucas. I stole George completely Lucas. from George Lucas. And if you want to steal from somebody, steal from George Lucas. George, see, I was trying to give it to, I, I was trying to come up with a word. I'm like, eh, was it mirrors? Was it rhymes? What was it? Whatever it was, it was beautiful. I love yes. it. George Lucas. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think that that makes for a good show. And with that, I'm going to let folks know our next show will be on a new series that's been released uh, to Amazon Prime. It's called Paper Girls. Uh, I'll read their quick little description. Four young friends, Paper Roots, uh, are disrupted on Hell Day 1988 when they unknowingly time travel to 2019. While searching for a way home, they clash with members of uh, two time-jumping factions of war and must come face-to-face -face with their adult selves and learn how to work together to save the world. Tell Ooh. you what, is that not a great setup? Why don't you want to watch this? I don't understand why I, you I want to watch it. I, I can't wait. 80s nostalgia, meeting your future mm. self. I am all about it. in. I can't Absolutely. wait. All right. <laughs> Me too. Well, Thank you all for joining us for the Moonshine Jesus Show. We hope you'll join us again next week at this same time, same station. Cheers to you, Caleb. Cheers, and you know Mark. what I'm going to say? It's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> Moonshine Jesus.